At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys? Good to hear that. This is something that I wanted to actually talk to you guys about, but I thought it would be in little pieces along the way, so it's going to be a much bigger piece today. And so I'm excited and terrified to be standing in front of you this morning, and it's good to see everyone. Um, I look at this, for me, a little bit different. I, I never felt like I'm a preacher or anything like that. I'm kind of more of a storyteller. And uh, having never really been to seminary other than for pieces of things, um, I am a fan of it. And one of the things I love about CT is that he teaches... Uh, scripture with Scripture, which I think is perfect. It's hard to go astray if you're doing that. And uh, I really like his style. It's kind of a classical preaching style. Um, there's a gentleman who used to teach at the Dallas Theologic Seminary. He's uh, passed now. His name is Haddon Robinson. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him at all. But one of the things he used to do when he would talk about preaching, when he would teach, is that he would say it's really three parts, and if you get these three parts in, you're probably going to be okay. And the first thing he would say is, he said, literally, what does it say? So we're going to talk about scripture. What does it say, actually? And then, what does it mean? Of course, right? What does it mean in context and perhaps when it was written? It might mean something different than what we think in today's world. But then the really important part, and he used to say it this way, and it's probably why I remember it. He would just say, and so what? Why do I care? And so that's what's really important to all of us, because otherwise it's a history lesson and people probably wouldn't come because it doesn't make sense to them. So today, um, I want to talk about loving one another. And there's a lot of this in Scripture. It's kind of cool. Um, many of the apostles talked about it. Jesus talked about it. I have to look up and see what we're seeing. Ah, screens. I'm learning. So, um, Jesus said, uh, you're going to go to the next one for me. So, we're going to start out with the what does it say part, right? And so, there's a bunch of scripture that Jesus talked about um, loving one another. So, in, in uh, the Gospel of John 13, 34, it says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then in the next verse, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then further on in John, John 15, 12, it says, this is my commandment to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And finally, he says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. So this thought goes on through many other people. Um, Paul has got a number of teachings on it. Um, I'm not going to read through all that. We're still talking about Jesus. There we go. Perfect. So he talks about it in Romans and in Ephesians, and the common denominator, of course, is loving one another. And if we go beyond that, um, Peter teaches the same. He talks about loving one another. And uh, 
Then finally, we end up at, we end up at John, uh, John 1, where John himself is talking about it. And you see it's loving one another. And the, the one interesting one is 1 John 3, 11, and it says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, right? So we've, there's been lots of talking about this. And it's interesting with John, it, the whole gospel and all of his writings seem to focus on loving one another. And interestingly enough for me personally, as I get older, um, I understand this differently than I used to. Um, it really is about loving one another. If you'd go to the last one where Jesus commands us, that would be perfect. Okay, now this one, this is the same slide as the first one, with a little different focus. If you notice, he isn't just talking about loving one another, it's a commandment. So this is like a suggestion or a nice idea. This is a new commandment I give to you, that you will love one another just as I have loved you. You will also love one another. And then he continues on by saying, this is all people, by this, all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then he continues on, right? And a commandment and a commandment. So this is pretty serious stuff. Um, Jesus didn't give the commandments lightly. In fact, ultimately, he said that there's two commandments, right? The first one was love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then love one another. And so... Anyway, so the next step in this is, so what does that mean, right? And so let's talk about the words, because words are always important. So, where John says, John... 1335, um, he talks about by this, and he says all people. And the interesting thing is, in, in Greek, when they say all people, they mean all people. So that you will know that you're my disciples. So I think the key for us is that all people will know that you, us, the believers, are his disciples. So I think that's really significant. So this is directly to us as, uh, as his disciples and as the one another, because we can think of ourselves in terms of one another. Now, the second word is, um, or the second point is love. And love is interesting, because um, it's context again. The Greeks would have never said, I love my car, or I you know, love my chariot, I guess is what the Greeks would say. <laughs> but, they, but they wouldn't actually say that. Um, they never talked about love of things. Um, they always referred to love of people. And there's... It's so important to them, there's actually four words for it. We just have love, right? And so you have to figure it out in the context. But there's, um, we've heard eros before, you guys, and that's love in marriage, and it's erotic love, and we kind of understand that. Storge is family love, the way you feel about your mom and the way your mom feels about you and the way you feel about your brothers and sisters and your cousins and stuff. It's this family type of loving each other. And then there's philia, which is actually from Philadelphia, right? It's where, where we get that name. And it's, it's brotherly love. And, and most people are experienced with this. Here in this room, we probably feel those two things mostly. And, and that's pretty common. But there's this other kind of love, and it's called agape. And uh, it's God's perfect, unconditional love. And that's kind of where we're being called to. In, uh, in these scriptures, because we're, well, it doesn't say, um, 
that love is easy anywhere. It doesn't say that um, it's easy to, or I can love you when you're lovable, right? Because we're not lovable a lot of the time. Um, it doesn't say to love you when it's not a mess. So it's, it's, it's hard, right? We're supposed to actually love each other. And, and the strength in all of this is the choice to love. And it's the way God loves us, right? He loves us today, tomorrow, in sin. He doesn't like sin, but he still loves us. And he loves us in the mess. He loves us when we're broken. He especially loves us when we come to him. But you know what's funny? It's, love is a hard thing because it, it involves reference. If you don't have a good reference for what love is, what does all this really mean? You know, if you didn't have a, a good father that loved you and we say God's father and he loves you, what does that mean? What is your context for it? So it's, it's tough. If you've never felt love before, you know, if that's how you feel inside. Because it really doesn't matter whether it's actually true or not. If you feel that that's true, that's how it affects your life. And we don't know how to love a lot of us, right? It's just hard. We've not seen it modeled in difficult circumstances. Because it's, it's easy when it's easy, of course, right? And we're afraid of being judged. We don't want to be judged. So we hold back from truly engaging and truly loving people. It's funny, in our minds, we think things like, if you only knew the things that I think, right? I mean, if you really were inside my head, you guys would probably run screaming into the darkness. We all think that, right? And a thing that I've heard a lot, um, we used to go to a church that was actually in the hood. It was at Chalmers and Jefferson. And we had drug dealers and reformed drug dealers that would come there and all kinds of people that were, you know, had lives that we don't typically see. And it's, it's pretty hard to hide it down there. You know, people don't have the affluence to um, hide the mess in their lives. And I remember this one guy um, crying, telling me, excuse me, it's still emotional for me. He uh, had tattoos on his face. He was clearly a gang guy. And he goes, you don't know what I've done, he says. And I don't. I, I probably would be terrified if I knew what he did. But Jesus doesn't care. He really doesn't care. He wants us to come to him. Um, the problem, though, is that we've learned to hide our sins and our brokenness and our pain. And we hold that inside. And it stays there. And it prevents us from engaging and loving others the way we ought to because really we don't even love ourselves. It's fortunately that Jesus loves us anyway. So what if we looked at this a little bit different? What if we saw people's mess, not just that you know, they're this, they do this thing that's terrible or they've been involved in this stuff that's terrible. What if we saw that in terms of brokenness and in pain for them personally and in fear? And uh, it, it kind of changes how things look. You know, if you could imagine, um, I think Jesus would stand there in front of them and say, come to me, I know. Because he does. He was one of us. He came here, lived as a man and God, and uh, made everything different for us. You know, and it's funny, the brokenness... How many 
people at 10 years old want to grow up and be an addict of any kind. It's not like a goal, right? Nobody has that as a goal in their life. But it happens. And no one wants to grow up, get married, and then get divorced. That's not on anybody's plan either. But that's wreckage, and that stuff happens. And it happens for lots of reasons, right? Um, no one wants to grow up and find themselves in a position where they feel their only choice is to abort their child. Nobody wants that. Not anybody's plan. But these things happen, right? They're, they're bad decision on top of bad decision. People feel trapped into situations where they think the only way out is this, right? And once they're in it, there's definitely no way out because they're there. And, uh, and, and a lot of it is people desiring to be loved. They just don't feel it, and they desire it desperately, and all kinds of pathology happens, and terrible messes happen in people's lives. So Jesus knows all this, though. He knows all of the brokenness. He knows the root of the sin in our lives. And actually, healing is possible. You know, he, we all know that Jesus forgives us, but healing the brokenness and forgiving ourselves is a whole nother level of this. And it's, it's hard to get there because we can't share much of this because we're afraid we'll be judged. And that's one of my hopes for this community is that we will love each other at such a level that this place becomes safe to be a mess. You know, if I come in here and I've had a terrible thing happen to me or I'm just broken about something that I could come in here and be a mess and that you would love me anyway. You wouldn't say, you know, like, he's pretty weird today. We don't want to hang with him. And, and it's a learned thing. I, I get that. And uh, I guess I'm calling us to move forward into that and to love each other radically on a level that we've not done before. Because we can do that. I believe that the, we're the one in others, and Jesus calls us to this very thing. So I'm going to tell you guys a story and it's a difficult story for me to tell. Probably going to be a mess. But I love you guys. And ultimately, this story starts out as sin, but it ends in forgiveness and redemption and healing. And so that's why it's important, and it's worth me telling it, even if I scare you with it a little bit. Um, Melody, my lovely wife, she knows this story. It's not one of her favorites but she knows the truth of it. And uh, I try to not hide things in my, my old age and hopefully some wisdom. And so I just am who I am and the things that happened to me did. So this all, um, I'm going to take us back to Good Friday in 2001. And I had been a Christian for maybe six months, probably. Um, Never been to a Good Friday service ever. Didn't know what they were going to be about. This was a non-denominational Christian church that we were going to. That's where I became a believer. And, you know, not knowing what to expect, um, they kind of come around and say, you know, we're going to pass out paper to everybody. And then they passed out pencils, and they say, what we want you to do is we want you to write down a sin in your life that you're struggling with. And I, 
I knew exactly what I was going to write. And uh, so back further than that, back in 1979, um, I got married to my first wife. Um, it was, you know, 20 years before I became a believer. And uh, got married for all the wrong reasons. We were young and stupid and mistook things for love that were not love at all. And it was a way to get out of our parents' house. And we thought we'd make a go of it. And it didn't go well. It was a big mess. Um, we got divorced after five years. And we fought it hard for five years. The really difficult part is that... Um, we got pregnant during that. And not being a man yet, and not knowing how to be a father, um, being afraid, and she was afraid as well. Um, we decided that we really didn't want to have that baby. And uh, we knew it was wrong. And we did it anyway. And uh, they'd be 37 right now, that, per that person would have been, if we hadn't aborted it. And uh, I lived with the weight of the death that we caused for a long time. So that's what I had to write about on Good Friday. I had to make a note about that. And anyway, so then we've all got our, our sins written on a little piece of paper, right? And then they passed a basket around, and they wanted us to put this thing in the basket. And I'm like, I'm going to put this out there, and somebody might see it. You know, I was terrified, and I'm sure everybody else was too. And while we were writing, though, this, uh, I'm going to say it was a very large man, carried a cross down the aisle. He drug it down the aisle. And it was full size. I mean, it was made out of four by sixes. It was enormous. And uh, they laid it up the stairs. Um, there was like six or eight stairs up to the, what would be the stage in that church. And so it was kind of propped up there. And they collected all of these pieces of paper with all of our sins, with my sin. And put it in a basket and they brought it up. And they put it next to the cross. And the man that drug that huge cross up pulled out a nail and a big hammer. And he took a handful of these sins. And he nailed them to the cross. He nailed my sin to the cross. And I was a disaster. And my crying today is not about not being forgiven because I was forgiven and I was redeemed by the Lord in that moment. But I'm overwhelmed with forgiveness today still. So it's an amazing thing. It takes the sad, I'm still sad about this, but it takes that pain, the sting of this, the dread of it. I've been forgiven. And who would know that I would be standing in front of you 20 years later? So I guess part of the point of this is that we're all just, we're all this, right? We've all done these terrible things. 
that are hard to say out loud in front of people, especially people that you love, because you might judge me, you might not love me as much. But I think it's worth it because you guys are the one another. And I love you guys terribly. But our, our relational God, this is really the key thing, our relational God wants us to live life together. He wants us to be this family. He wants us to love one another. He wants, us to, he wants to take, actually, our pain. And he did that for me that day. He took pain from me and replaced it with, with joy and understanding and, and a whole new way to move forward. Um, he wants to free up the mess in our lives. You know, and he's forgiven you. You are all forgiven for your sins, but have you forgiven yourselves? And that's where the healing of this kind of event comes in, right? We're all, we're all, we can all go to that cross, maybe not the cross that was laying on those steps because that was, you know, the cross is metaphorical in one way. It was real that Good Friday. But we can take our sin and our brokenness and our pain to the cross ourselves. You know, maybe we'll do a healing ceremony someday, and that would be really a cool thing. But um, we have that available to us. Christ is standing there with his arms open, calling us to himself. Because he loves us that much that the mess and the sin and the brokenness, he can put that behind us, and we can move forward with him. We can move forward together. So, ultimately, we can really love one another if we, see, if we see each other as Jesus sees us. If we see the sin in our lives or in each other's lives or the things that we're upset about as brokenness and as pain, and we didn't feel we had a choice in that moment. And it changes how we look about things, I think. I think we're looking at things through the heart of Christ because that's how he sees us. And we can do that. He has the power to give us that strength. We just have to realize that it's true and accept it. And it will go a long way in, in helping us learning to just love each other. No strings attached. Unconditional love. Agape love. It, it's a crazy radical concept for us mere mortals. But uh, it's truly worth it. So, my hope is that we'll learn to love one another so deeply that this church family will be known in this community for the way that we love one another. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for all of the brokenness, Lord, all the brokenness that's in this room. Father, I pray for the pain that's felt in this room, Lord, because it's all real. Father, I pray for the fear that's in this room, Lord, the fear that holds us back from being the one in others. Father, I pray for the sin in this room, Lord. I pray for your forgiveness. Father, I pray for redemption and healing for every single person in this room. Every single person in this room, Lord, has things that they hold tight you know what they are, Father. They may not even, Lord. So, Father, 
make a way for them to come to you with the personal messes that they have, Lord. Help them understand that perhaps this terrible thing that they're holding deep inside is from a series of brokennesses or fear. And help them understand that all of the forgiveness and all of the redemption and all of the healing is through Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that I am able to love you and, and this church family because you loved me first, Lord, because I would have no clue otherwise. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.